This episode is brought to you by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Nirmal Malaikul. For the second time in three months, Democratic leaders tried and failed to pass energy permitting reform. See, in the current lame duck session, congressional Democratic leaders had hoped to add permitting language to the must-pass National Defense Authorization Act. But on Tuesday, the text of that bill was released without any language to speed up the approvals for construction of energy projects. Now, the decision by Democratic leaders to not add permitting language was thanks to the combined opposition from Republicans and progressives for very different reasons. So today, I chat with Politico's Josh Siegel about why Democrats tried to pass permitting for a second time, why it failed, and what's next. It's Thursday, December 8th. So Josh, Democrats decided not to attach permitting language to the must-pass National Defense Authorization Act. Talks had picked back up over the last couple of weeks. Why were Democrats trying for a second time now to pass these reforms? Yeah, so the urgency is really great for Democrats because they want to see through the benefits of the Inflation Production Act, which contained very significant incentives to build renewable and clean energy projects. The problem, though, is that it's very difficult to build these projects under our current permitting rules. So they feel like they had to do this before the end of the year because Republicans are set to take control of the House. And they say that they are interested in permitting reform, but their definition of permitting reform is very different. And clean energy is really not the priority. It's oil and gas. It's general NEPA reforms, environmental law reforms that would maybe help all sorts of projects, but nothing specifically to help clean energy. So they felt like before the end of the year is their best shot at getting a deal that's actually helpful to them. Got it. And you're reporting that opposition from both Republicans and progressives really killed momentum for permitting. We know that's something specifically Republicans actually do want to work on. So why were they opposed at this moment? Yeah, no, that's right. This is really the same strange bedfellow mix that did kill permitting last go around some three months ago. And it it happened all over again. I would say this one was a little bit different in that the political dynamics, right, attaching it to a defense bill, this is a bill that Republicans tend to vote for. So the effort from Democrats here, they actually released updated text of how this proposal would have differed from the last go around. And it actually moved in the Republicans direction. So the Republicans really were the main key here in my mind. And they rejected it even though there were provisions that were made to earn their support. So there was some decrease in the significance of what they try to do around transmission. Initially, the Republicans took great exception to the federal government or FERC being able to take over projects, certain projects right from the get-go and approve them going around the states. That was actually taken out. Now, some components of transmission stayed in, but Republicans argued that it still didn't go far enough for them. They felt like the transmission pieces that remained were still would allow specifically rural states to take on costs of projects in a way that they're not comfortable with. At the same time, 
They just didn't like, again, I'm hearing a lot of process concerns. They feel like that this all started, remember, when Joe Manchin and Chuck Schumer came to an agreement as part of Manchin's support for the Inflation Reduction Act, their big climate law, that they would do permitting before the end of the year. So they felt like, yes, there were improvements made to get Republican support, but it ultimately started from a Democratic product. And they just feel like that's really not allowing a bipartisan process. There were these bipartisan conversations in recent weeks, but they didn't really produce a result. And they feel like Democrats try to kind of ram this through while they could. Right. So that's the Republican piece of things. And for progressives, they were also against attaching permitting to the NDAA. Why was that? Yeah. So the progressive side, they were, again, very much in the same, actually the same position they were last go around. What they didn't like most is this proposal would have really advanced the Mountain Valley pipeline and made it easier for that project to get built. And that is a huge priority for Joe Manchin. And it's ultimately a big piece of fossil fuel infrastructure that Democrats, progressives say is not sustainable if we're going to meet our climate goals. In addition to that, they feel like shortening environmental reviews, having deadlines on that, and also making it harder to litigate against projects, that that is just really shortcutting environmental justice communities. So it was really the same reasons as last time. But again, I mean, the the NDA was designed to get Republican support. So the thought was that they could actually lose some progressives and still have this pass. But what ultimately happened was some progressives, a handful, actually threatened to oppose a rule that would allow them to vote on the bill. So that was a whole other kind of unforeseen development that, that really complicated things for Manchin, Schumer, and even President Joe Biden, who wanted to see this done. Got it. And now looking forward, it's increasingly unlikely that Democrats can pass permitting reform in the lame duck session before Republicans take over the House next year. Will we see more permitting work in the near future, or was this the end of the line? From the Democratic perspective, this was the real shot to do it. Now, there is a government spending bill that will come forward before the end of the year. But people in both parties seem to think that the NDA made the most sense if you were going to do it this year, because again, those political dynamics I mentioned earlier, nothing, nothing's going to change in a, in a few weeks when this spending bill has to be finalized. And we also don't know what form that's going to take, how long it will go, how long government funding will stretch into. So, so it does carry over to next year, but there's some great skepticism among Democrats that Republicans in the House, Kevin McCarthy, who looks like he'll be the speaker, he has a very narrow majority. He's got a very restive conservative base. It's going to be hard for them to produce legislation. Now, to be fair, Republicans say that they do plan to take this seriously. They understand the dynamics. There's narrow margins in both chambers. The Democrats now have an, an extra seat in the Senate. They still control the Senate, but it's just a lot of skepticism. And what I hear from Democrats is that if Republicans want a permitting reform, which they say they have, this was the time to do it. Things moved in your direction and you didn't. Again, Republicans argue they can get a better product next year. That remains to be seen, though. Also, the Biden administration's third offshore wind auction, the first ever auction off the West Coast, raked in over $757 million in bids. That's what the Interior Department announced on Wednesday, capping off two days of strong bidding, despite lingering questions about the emerging technology that will be utilized in the projects. The sale spanned over 370 acres, with three lease areas off Central California and two lease areas off Northern California. Combined, those sales are estimated to generate roughly 4.5 gigawatts of new floating wind power, or enough to power 1.5 million homes. 
However, lingering questions remain over commercial-scale floating wind turbines, a newer technology that will be required for the West Coast and amid supply chain and cost constraints that are already impacting the overall U.S. offshore wind industry. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com power switch and subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Nermal Malaykul, and we'll see you back tomorrow. This episode is brought to you by Chevron, the human energy company. Did you know that Chevron is working with partners in California to convert the methane from cow waste into renewable natural gas that one day can help fuel trucks across the nation? Find out more at chevron.com rng.